In today's episode of The Pilot Wife ABCs, let's talk about boundaries and in what ways these matter in your aviation marriage. Welcome to the Pilot Wife Podcast, your ongoing checklist for navigating your best life as a pilot wife and family. I'm your co-captain, Jackie Elmer. I've been a pilot wife for over three decades and can't imagine any other lifestyle. It can be turbulent, lonely, and it can be the most fabulous life you could ever imagine. Do you have a question or suggestion for the show? Ask it at ask dot pilotwifepodcast.com. And if you want the pilot wife checklist, seven keys to a fabulous pilot wife life, go to pilotwifechecklist.com. Now stow your baggage and strap in. Let's unpack the pilot wife life. Hey, hey, fellow aviator and pilot wife. Welcome back to the pilot wife podcast. Well, at the heart of any good relationship is communication, and that's the cornerstone of setting boundaries. And I'm covering boundaries first because, hey, this is the Pilot Wife ABCs. We'll talk about communication next. Now, it's easy for hurts and misunderstandings to happen in the aviation marriage because of so many factors. And I'm going to cover some areas where boundaries are important, such as couple time, family time, communication on trips, layover expectations and trust, scheduling and bidding as well as changing domiciles, money, and your independence to make decisions when they're gone. Now there are many other areas, but let's just tackle these for now. The best way to establish boundaries is to set aside time now if you've not already done this and to openly talk about your expectations and how you would like to move your marriage forward, get along, and keep that long-term commitment that you have to it. If you've never done this, just simply pick a time when they're home, when things are calm, and let them know that you'd like to schedule time to talk when you can both be fully present and cover some key important areas to you about your marriage and relationship. Then block a time that mutually works for you both and honor that time. When the time comes, Start the conversation by asking something like, hey, I'd like to know what's important to you about couple time and family time, about the time that we spend connecting and things that we do together. What are your priorities around this time that we spend together, that just the two of us time? And are your needs being met in this area? It's so important that you open the conversation with allowing them to go first. This is a key part of it. So often we want to jump in and share everything that's going on for us. But if you simply open the conversation and give them the space and the time to share what's going on for them, of course, it's going to come back around to you. And you can even say, are you open to hearing and discussing what matters to me? And in most cases, and I hope they're going to say yes. And then from there, once you've communicated about your couple time and the importance of that, you can move on to family time, kids and extended family, as well as friendships. And the cool thing is when you've opened this conversation right and everybody's, you know, put their own um, anxieties and anger or stories from the past or any of that aside, you can just have good communication. Now, for me personally, my pilot is a homebody. Um, He's social, but he loves his quiet time at home 
too. So I learned to protect that time for him, especially for the first day getting home. That first evening, depending on what time he got home, and then the whole next day, ideally. Now, sometimes real life requires something different, so we all have to be flexible, right? But that's one thing that I learned to do is protect that time for him, and then it made the rest of it flow so much better because he had his needs met in that way, and I just learned how to master that. All right, let's talk about communication on trips. It's so much easier now with uh, mobile phones and texting, but back in the day, it could truly go cray-cray when your mind would go nuts and you didn't necessarily know what they were doing. We didn't have all the apps like FlightAware and so many different ways, just even with the um, internet and mobile apps of just the airline, just to type in the flight number and see if it's landed, where it is, what's going on. That really changed everything because prior to that, and especially back when long distance was so expensive and we didn't have email. I know I'm talking about the dark ages, but keep in mind, I've been married over 33 years to a pilot. So I do go back to the dark ages and it was a whole lot different and it was a whole lot easier to make up stories around, gosh, why haven't I heard from him or what's going on? Or has he forgotten about me? Or, you know, just let that runaway mind go crazy with what might be going on. So it is important to establish expectations around when you're going to connect on a trip based on what they have going, uh, you know, what their arrival and departure times are, how much time they have in an airport between uh, connection flights. And it's also and, and of course, what you have going on, too. Right. And for many of us, we may have jobs as well. We have kid uh, issues, all, all of that type stuff, too. So we have to set expectations and boundaries around all of that. But it's also really good and important to remember all that can go wrong before your mind goes nuts. Now, think about it. They're out on a trip. There are delays, mechanical delays, weather delays, gate holds, both ways. Maybe they're still sitting at the gate. Maybe they've, you know, they're taxiing and they've had to stop short because their gate isn't open yet. Um, maybe they're traveling a long distance between their connecting gates. Uh, they've had an aircraft assign reassignment last minute. Um, it's just issues, issues, issues. Sometimes they didn't get fed right or they're starving. And so in between that short amount of time, they're trying to grab food at the airport it's crazy. It really is crazy out there. And it's easy for us to lose sight of that when we're at home feeling like everything's going crazy for us too. So um, along those lines, keep in mind as they're experiencing all of that and in the communication process, one thing that I want to cover um, and a boundary that I figured out, which my husband thankfully didn't even have to tell me, but not everybody gets this part and I understand it. So I'm not being judgmental at all, but I want to cover the importance of not dumping everything on them while they're flying. They don't need to know every single thing that's gone wrong at home, every single way that a kid acted out, the frustrations that you're feeling. And as I say this, please know that I am very empathetic to what you, the pilot wife at home is going through because I've been there. Um, I was, you know, in the aviation industry, then met and dated and married my pilot, and then we had kids. So it's been a part of my family, my married and family life forever. And so I'm extremely empathetic to all of that. 
the stress of being a single mom, juggling everything, the stress of a sick kid, the stress of trying to get two different kids to five different activities over the course of um, a day or two, uh, all of that, you know, household disasters. I am empathetic to all of that. I've dealt with it. But I also know over time with good communication, understanding that he was always as frustrated as I was not to be there to help, not to be there to be part of it, not to be there to help make decisions with kids and and handle a lot of that. And so I really learned not to dump everything on him. There's literally nothing that he can do thousands of miles away to help overcome the situation. Yes, he can lend an empathetic ear. Um, and I often found that, you know, if I just gave him the space and he would say, how was your day? And I might just say something like, well, it was pretty crazy today. And then I would allow him to ask me more questions and learn not to get hurt or upset if he didn't go further with it. I learned to develop a good sense of community, girlfriends, fellow pilot wives who I could vent that stuff to, who would understand, and at the same time realizing there was nobody who could fix any of that for me. I just had to deal with it. But I could, you know, find people who lend would lend a great empathetic ear. So I, I want you to know I'm fully empathetic and I'm here to, to, to be a good ear for you if you need any of that. But I learned early on the importance of not dumping everything on him. Everything I've mentioned before, you know, my very first night alone as a pilot wife, a tree fell on our house, knocked out the electricity, damaged the roof. I remember the time he was flying when the garage door just completely fell off the rack. Um, you know, it just goes on and on and on. We lived in Lake Arrowhead, California. The power would go out. would have to start up the generator. I mean, sometimes the power would, would go out for more than a day. Um, and I just learned to cope and deal with all that. And over time, it gave me a great bit of strength and resilience that, that I hold on to today and really, really value. But I learned not to dump everything on him. Um, I would sometimes ask him what he wanted to hear and what he didn't want to hear while he was flying. And then I tried to honor that as best I can. Now, keep in mind, I know that extreme things happen. I'm not talking about when your kid breaks an arm or, you know, terrible things like that go on. I'm not talking about that at all. Uh, in fact, my almost one-year-old son did break an arm while my husband was on a trip. He flipped himself off the couch and broke his arm at 11 months and so many days. Anyway, um, so I know all about that for sure. But I do know that a number of times my husband would say to me, hey, I just want to let you know that I really appreciate that you don't dump everything on me when I'm on a trip. And he would share stories with me of so many other pilot wives who would call their husbands and just unload to them. And again, I don't know what was going on in any of those situations, so I don't want to be judgmental about it. But they would get back in the cockpit and... Um, you know, share their frustration with getting dumped on, knowing that there was nothing that they could do. And I know for me, I I never wanted to think that my pilot husband was talking negatively about me to others. So I just did my best to be the best that I could not to have that happen. Um, and then, of course, uh, my friend Deanna, I'm going to share one of her quotes a little bit further on, but her husband shared the same thing. But I, I'm going to share a little bit more of that as we go through. All right, the next area layover expectations and trust. Now I know this can be a sticky one. 
There's that expression out there called slam clickers. And if you haven't heard this, the slam clickers are the ones that get to the layover hotel. They immediately uh, put the do not disturb sign on the door and they quickly go inside, slam the door and click the lock. That's a slam clicker. Some crews don't want to be social. That goes for pilots and flight attendants. Some of them have their own stuff that they're working on. Some of them are going to school and studying. Some of them run businesses on the side. Some of them are tired or exhausted. They don't feel well. Some of them just aren't social, and some of them are. Some wives want their pilots to be slam clickers, and some of those pilots don't want to be slam clickers. And this is where it can get tricky. Um, Many of them are social, and they want and deserve, in my opinion, to be able to enjoy their layover time. They work hard, they're under a lot of stress, and one of the perks of their job is that they do occasionally have um, those super resort-style layovers, and good for them. Um, But this is where solid communication, open communication around your expectations and being willing to hear and listen to their expectations and what they are and are not willing to do and commit to. This is really crucial. Now, each airline is different. And I know for me, back in the day, again, going back to the dark ages, one very often they would check in. Uh, they had one crew all the way through the trip, right? One other pilot or two back in the day when it was a three-cockpit uh, crew on certain airplanes. Um And they would often have the same flight attendants all the way through, two-day trip, three-day trip, four-day trip. And again, this is different with each airline. Today, sometimes they have a different flight attendant crew on each leg of the trip. And very often, they stay in different hotels. Again, varies by airline, varies by trip, varies by city. Sometimes they are grouped together because that's the way that it's worked out. But keep in mind, the unions help negotiate... uh, layover hotels, and the company ultimately does it, but sometimes they don't mesh together. Hey, Aviator, the Pilot Wife podcast is brought to you by peakperformanceforlife.com, the app that helps you create a vision for your life and the action steps to set, track, and achieve your goals in the seven key areas of life, which are faith, family, field, finance, fitness, friends, and fun. Learn more at peakperformanceforlife.com and welcome peace, joy, and harmony in your successful life. So part of good communication and setting boundaries is, first of all, be involved and curious about how they like to spend their layovers, what they do like to do, without being prying or too nosy or uh, demanding. And I want to say that because, again, um, The last thing you want to do is create a situation that creates more distrust because you've set an expectation for them of being a slam clicker, not spending a lot of money, which I'll get to also, um, and they're not willing to meet that expectation. So you don't want to create a situation where they withhold information or potentially lie to you um, in what might seem an innocent way because they just want to enjoy themselves not doing anything wrong, not doing anything out of bounds. They just don't want to stay locked up in their hotel all the time or eat dinner or breakfast by themselves all the time. So be curious, ask, ask what they did, ask what's planned, what they have planned for their layover cities. Ask how it's going with the other pilot, the rest of the crew, be interested. 
And then do you know their bidding habits? Do they ever buddy bid? I mean, do they have specific other crew that they want to fly with? Because it makes the trip more pleasant and enjoyable. I recently listened to a great uh, podcast interview. I'm trying to think of the name. I think it was Aviation Careers Podcast. And it was uh, a pilot who runs it interviewing a male flight attendant who's also getting his pilot qualification. And I really enjoyed listening to the flight attendant talk about, he's got 20 years with this airline. I really enjoyed listening to him talk about um, the fact that over the course of that 20 years and being based in the same city all those years, he's gotten to know a lot of the, the pilots and he's gotten to know a lot of the flight attendants and how pleasant it is when you get a group of people that work well together. And they fly together a lot and they know each other and they greet each other and they talk about their families and situations. And that that was just, it warmed my heart, honestly, to hear that. And that's what I always wanted for my pilot. I wanted his life on the road to be happy so that when he came home, his life at home would be happy too. So that was a big, important part of it. So know their bidding habits and, you know, know who they enjoy flying with. And again, that resort lifestyle angst can create conflict and yet it's part of the job. You may not like knowing that they're going out on the beach and hanging out with other airline crew members. And in some cases, they get to know airline crews from other airlines, especially if they have a trip that they fly frequently. I know Hawaii can be like that. Uh, Some of those different areas where they have other crews from other airlines that they co-mingle with. I know the Hawaiian surfing scene with the pilots is pretty big and a lot of them know each other. They share boards that they have stored over there. I mean, it's a pretty cool community when you really think about it. And I just really love that part of aviation. It, it, it is something that's unique to us and it's a lifestyle most can't even fathom. And I just think it's fabulous. What, what a cool way to get to spend your life. So Work your best to manage your mind and your thoughts and your anxiety around their resort lifestyle, especially when you're home in a snowstorm with four kids running around. I get it. Believe me, I get it. But I also know that sometimes they arrive in that layover city exhausted, hungry, and they want nothing more than to retreat to their quiet hotel room. So again, establish good communication for trust. Share what makes you anxious And then have that open dialogue with them and see how they respond and see how you two can work together to, as best you can, meet everyone's needs. All right, next, scheduling and bidding, as well as changing domiciles. Now, each relationship and marriage is different. Um, What we always did is we sat down with the calendar ahead of bid time and we prioritized. We went through the whole calendar. What did we want to do? What did he want to do? What was on the kid's schedule? You know, what was going on for the next month? And then he would bid as best he could according to that. The more junior they are, the more difficult it is. When they change airplanes and they go to the bottom again, the more difficult it is. And maybe, I don't know, I I just... I just refuse to let anxiety overtake my life because of that. Doesn't mean I didn't feel angry sometimes. Doesn't mean I didn't feel frustrated and, and, you know, fell into the poor me thing. As I've shared before, being aware, acknowledging, and then ultimately accepting emotions and the feelings that we have is an important part of it. I never got mad at him. I always knew it wasn't his fault. Um, But I felt like it was okay sometimes to get mad at the situation and spend the time feeling the feeling and then get over it and move on to create that happy life, ultimately. 
So we also discussed airplane changes, what that would mean, and changing bases and domiciles. Would he commute? My husband commuted a lot of his flying time, and some of it he didn't commute. But we never lived super close to his base. Even when he lived in base, which was out in California, L.A. base, we still lived 90 miles from LAX, but he flew out of Ontario a lot. Um, But we were totally on the same page with where we wanted to live, what we wanted our lifestyle to be like, and what really mattered. So that helped for us. And those are good communication skills that you have to develop. Now, hopefully, you decided some of your non-negotiables before you got married. But maybe this pilot life came along later. And relocating can be very challenging, especially if you have a career too, and maybe one that doesn't lend itself to moving all the time. It can be frustrating to have to start all over again with an employer, with a job, with maybe seniority in your career, whatever it is, you know, as you chase your pilot from base to base. So it's going to be important to have that good communication, have those boundaries set, and determine how you're going to manage conflict in that area. If you have conversations about it before it comes up, it can really help you circumvent some of that conflict. Not every time, but it's definitely a start. Now, as a pilot, upgrading and promoting can be tied to base changes. Um, To be able to move up more quickly, change airplanes, sometimes for better schedules, better pay, it can require some negotiation in terms of domiciles, uh, moving or commuting. Those are good conversations to have ahead of time. I know relocating can be frustrating. It can be lonely. It can mean upsetting the whole family, children, their routines. And at the same time, moving can be amazing too. I've enjoyed every move I've ever made in the airline industry. Yeah, I left behind some things, but I always gained new horizons also. So again, decide your boundaries and discuss them. All right, next up is money and how they spend it and how you spend it. Now, this is probably the same in any marriage, honestly, how money is spent and decisions that are made around that. And the one area that's a little unique in the aviation profession can be meals and money that's spent on trips. Now, for me, I'm going to tell you, I've seen this come up in a lot of the Facebook pilot groups about how they spend money, how much they spend on meals, how much they spend on entertainment type stuff when they're on layovers. For me, I'm never going to quibble over money for food. It's a value of mine and it's a value of my pilots. In 33 years, I've never said a word about money spent on his trips. He gets a per diem and he rarely exceeds that per diem. We both place huge value in eating well and quality food. And I would rather him eat well now, protect his health and his medical then worry about exactly how much he's spending. I always say you can pay now or you can pay later when it comes to your health. Now, having said that, everyone has different priorities and boundaries. So the last thing I want to do is seem like I'm telling you what to do. I'm not. I'm just sharing my own experiences, my own opinions. I'm not judging you or shaming you. You have to make the decisions that are right for you between the two of you and have those good discussions. I just know for me, I don't ever want to fight over food. I place huge value on quality food, so I don't ever want anyone micromanaging what I spend to eat well either. Um, I always remind myself that what I spend money on might annoy him too, right? Um, And I like to know, I mean, as long as the bills are paid, we're putting money in savings and in retirement, 
all is good. Now, my husband doesn't like transporting his own food other than maybe some protein muffins, power bars, and oatmeal. He just doesn't do it. It's not his thing. Some do, some don't. I love to travel with my own food because I'm a picky eater. Um, I eat very fairly clean on a keto-type diet. Um, I'm not a perfectionist, but I try to do that. So I usually travel with a lot of food, even just non-revving. It's just my thing, but that's not his, and I'm not going to micromanage him over that. I never like to be micromanaged in my own decisions or my own career, and so I leave him to figure out what's going to work for him. I figure if he can fly thousands of people, thousands of miles, thousands of hours, he can figure that stuff out too. So as far as spending in other ways, it's important to set those expectations and boundaries around those big purchases together and set an amount limit that's acceptable to you both. And then finally, let's talk about your independence to make decisions when they are gone. This is an important boundary. It's a big area. They aren't always there or available when what I like to say is the shiznit hitting the fan. And you know what I'm talking about. They're gone on a trip and something happens. So as best you can, decide on how household stuff will be dealt with, like plumbers, electricians, a handyman, someone that you both like, both agree to, and you can call when that happens. If you have that set up ahead of time, it makes it easier. Agree together how these situations will be handled and then agree together that when you must make decisions without them, those decisions will be accepted and honored, and they're not going to beat you over the head with them. Just like they get to do when they're flying, right? You're the PIC or pilot in command when it comes to managing the household when they're on trips, at least to a certain degree. All right, so those are some ideas that I have around boundaries. If you have others, please reach out and let me know. Remember the good methods for communication. Use I messages, I feel versus you did or you said or anything like that. Use I messages. Block time with no distractions that work for you both. Be mindful of not bombarding them when they're flying with unnecessary information and stresses. And as I mentioned earlier, my friend and fellow pilot wife, Deanna, shared on a previous show, she feels like it's her duty to her husband's employer to make sure that her husband is not stressed when he's carrying passengers. That is brilliant. I love that quote. Thank you, Deanna. All right. So uh, till next time, blue skies and tailwinds, my friend, go live your best pilot wife life. Hey, if you like what you're hearing on the show, grab the Pilot Wife Checklist, Seven Keys to a Fabulous Pilot Wife Life. Go to pilotwifechecklist.com. And if you have a question, comment, or topic suggestion, go to ask.pilotwifepodcast.com. Share this podcast with any pilot wives, military wives, or anyone you know who might share a similar experience. See you on the next show.